Influence part two. Um, there are what six ways to influence in this book, and we covered the first three, I think, which were I think yes. I got it here. So yeah, we talked about what compliance is, the weapons of influence, contrast principle, reciprocity principle, uh, commitment and consistency, and the last one was social proof. So. Yes. I think the next three are what liking, um, authority, authority and, scarcity. and scarcity. So, yeah, should we just jump into it? Yeah, let's go straight into it. I guess it's probably yeah. worth saying that if somebody's coming in listening to this this podcast first, they should probably go out and check the first one for an introduction yeah. to the book. And uh, we're kind of just going to pick up straight where we left off. So, um, liking. So what we've got here, yeah. the levers of liking. We've got attractiveness, similarity, compliments, contact and cooperation, conditioning and association. Uh, yeah. So should we kind of just work through them one by one then? Um, I think so. But, but yeah. let's just start with the overall overall principle here. So the principle is, you know, we feel more pressure to say yes to somebody that we know and like. Um, often a friend doesn't even have to be present to be effective when it comes to persuading. Of, often just the mention of a friend's name is enough. Um, yeah. So yeah, physical attractiveness. So I thought the halo effect is quite interesting. Um, yeah. So just by being more physically attractive, people give you more favorable traits. Like when it comes to everything, so they just assume yeah. by proxy you're, you know, more generous. You're more intelligent. Um, what else does it say here? One of the ones. Honest, I guess more honest, sense. more kind. Yeah. Um, what well, are you just? A- you know, you have a lack of information. The only thing you can go off is a visual cue, which is therefore you, looks you use the, I guess, the positive feelings to then they almost yeah. like what's the word? You extrapolate. extrapolate yeah, exactly. To I, other positive I, traits. I guess that if we are like, you know, if we can see that someone is genetically blessed to a degree, yeah, then we might also assume, and it is based on an assumption, isn't it, that there are other qualities that are also probably quite good. Um, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah no it does make sense so yeah i guess the level of it could be the fact that if they're attracted they can almost then be seen as more high value in regards to society in general right and therefore maybe people just want to be associated people with so-called higher value therefore you just like you think they're better than they are just so you don't upset them i don't know do you kind of get what i mean like because you want to be on their best books well it's interesting then because is it a post-rationalizing thing in the sense that we see a good looking person and we think they're probably, uh, they have a higher status in society or whatnot. And so mm-hmm. it's beneficial to interact with that person. And so to convince ourselves of that, we think that they have other skills that are also much better as well. Yeah, Rather possibly. than someone who's like really attractive, yeah. who's like a disgusting human being. But, <laughs> you know, we would, I don't know. I just think, I think, but, I think maybe what it is as well. You just give them, well, yeah, you give them the benefit of the doubt, don't you? I mean, yeah, uh, 
it remains to be seen. I, I guess once again, this is back to like most of the persuasion techniques in this book. This is like based on like heuristics, isn't it? So sort of like, of course, yeah. The first first thoughts without really thinking about it. So like the first initial feeling you have about somebody, and obviously the like you said, the the initial thought you're going to get is, oh, they're attractive. Therefore, you feel a positive sensation. I guess you could say towards them, and therefore they just take up all these other positive attributes without you even thinking about it. Until yeah. of course you're proven otherwise. Yeah. Um, then what do we have after that? Actually, no. To be fair, I got you got the other bit here saying the example about the judge's sentences. I thought that was quite interesting, didn't he? Like sort of yeah. quote some things where judges gave more lenient sentences to people who are attractive in general. Yeah, <laughs> it's nuts to think about it. Where you think one of the um, one of the most rational elements of like human society, like a court of law, I know, and it's still influenced by, you know, I guess you could say like raw human nature i guess i don't know or like do you kind of get what i mean it's like yeah yeah yeah. can't really quantify it you know what i mean it's not rational at all it's just it just exists um that's the thing is like attraction okay so there are some like um uh common trends like cultural common trends that people like like um uh symmetry um Mm -hmm. and like certain proportions um that people find attractive but at the end of the day there are also you know subjective um people have like different uh, they have their own tastes, tastes. So, yeah right? exactly yeah and so yeah like you just said you know in a court where we think everything should try and become objective there is still a level of subjectivity in it that is dictating it um of course and yeah it's, it's, it's just i think it's more mental to just think about how much effect it does have even though we you know we, yeah it's one of those like classic common lies where we all try and deny the fact that it exists, but it does exist. And just yeah. because we all deny it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Like I feel yeah. like there's a lot of things like this where people just say, you know, oh, that, that, that can't be true because it's not right. Cause it's not fair. But the reality yeah. is usually that that is the way it works. And it's, you know, it isn't fair. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's quite simply not fair. Um, yeah. No, exactly. And then, yeah. So the next one is what similarity. Yes. So we like people who are similar to us, who have a similar upbringing, or you know, similar opinions or personal trait, personality traits, and it makes sense. It's because, like, once again, it's you're more relatable as well, right? It's like if I know that you grew up in the same exact place where I did, well, then it's like you've got a lot to talk about than someone who you know grew up in a completely different country, and yeah. You know, well, same age you know you're more likely to engage in the same kind of things as well um for sure so yeah no, absolutely i think that's a big one um and i think he was saying in the book like you know you do get a lot of salespeople who try to pick up on certain things about you yeah. and then be like oh yeah you're from bristol yes no i, I yeah I'm yeah like, like i love bristol years, it's my favorite you know. place you know yeah. yeah 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 and then you start asking them questions like where, whereabouts right? were you living and they won't be able to give you a straight answer type yeah. thing because yeah because the more you like them the more likely yeah. they're going to be able to influence you at the end of the day um, yeah yeah, yeah you've got an example here as well with the salespeople about the mirror and matching as well because that's another thing where you can bring about liking through similarity by like matching somebody's posture so if they're like you know yeah. upbeat you reply with like an upbeat tone or if they're you know seem to be a bit shy you kind of you know cater to that sort of by being shy yourself almost rather than being overbearing and loud um yeah but the similarity things are quite such a classic though isn't it because it's like the first rule of like report building isn't it like what yeah. do you do when you you know you meet new people you 
I, I think you don't even do this relatively consciously. You're kind of like always looking yeah, for like a talking exactly. point where you both, you know, you could both add some value or a talking point which you both, you know, are interested in. Like, I don't know where you just say like, what do you do? Like, what sports do you play? For example, you might say to somebody you've just met and then you, you're just trying to find some common ground because then at least yeah. you can have like a, because a conversation because otherwise you're just, you know, speaking about things you don't care about or speaking about things you have no idea about. So, yeah. But it, um, it, it is interesting, like coming back to the mirrored match thing, because, okay, you can intentionally do it, but I think we all subconsciously do it as well. Like, you know, we yeah. want to be, we want to fit in. We want to be able to like engage with others. And a lot of the time you see it when people do like cross their arms, other people cross their arms or they lean on something and someone else yeah. leans on something. It's like, I think it's know, definitely someone else opens up. They do it automatic. The like, yeah it's Absolutely. i don't think a lot of people act consciously when they do the mirroring i mean obviously don't get me wrong there's some people who probably do do this stuff like consciously for the yeah. intention of like, manipulation but i feel like anybody who is socially adept i guess i would say is probably doing it automatically without even yeah. thinking about it whether it's you know finding trying to find some common ground when they're having a chat with somebody or like just mirroring them yeah like i, I to be fair sometimes i don't know about you but i don't know if you're in like, a social situation where you suddenly like become aware that you're mirroring somebody or you yeah. become aware that you're doing it, but like you didn't think to do it, right? Like you're not, yeah, you're not yeah, thinking yeah. like, for example, let's just say, I mean, you're scratching your thing now. I'm, I know I'm doing it now. It's just to copy you. Like, for example, <laughs> yeah. if, I, we, we, if somebody was to rewatch this video, there could be times where we're both doing exactly the same thing. Um, yeah. and, and whether or not like it's intentional, I would assume that it's definitely not. It's just one of these things yeah. that you kind of just do because you, you're seeing somebody else do it and you, you react in a way that's just like automatic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was a, another sort of, factor of the liking so obviously if you can show somebody that you're as similar as possible then they're more likely to like you funny enough yeah um, absolutely um, then what do we have here we got compliments next what do we say we tend as a rule to believe praise and like those who provide it often if it's clearly false um i mean that's actually kind of true in a way like this whole like flattery mate. thing i think like yeah. people are a sucker for flattery regardless of course unless unless in my head right where it's so so wrong obviously yeah wrong, so like obviously right? not a compliment like so like you, yeah maybe if you have like a really low self-esteem about some something specific and then yeah. somebody compliments you on the thing that you know you like lack yeah um then you're gonna almost be more so and almost can be interpreted as like taking the piss out of yeah yeah no yeah. exactly that um yeah. but i guess the main point here is more often than not um people just like compliments regardless even if it's you know yeah as long as it's rem- like some f- remotely true i guess you could say then people are going to take it probably in a positive manner yeah um and i guess i wonder if it's like not really about the actual compliment but about the giving of the compliment that people like do you know what i mean yeah. as in like if it is guess something you're that you're friendly really true it's exactly okay. right it's showing you that you're like, like signaling to them that like you know you're here to like be friends rather than you know be nasty yes. like i'm here i'm gonna give you a compliment because you know i'm just showing you that i'm like yeah, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. value you or something, or like I'm trying to be friendly yeah, yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But I always, I, I, I always used to have a problem if like people gave me a compliment. I felt almost, and once again, it goes back to the like reciprocity kind of. <laughs> yeah, like, I was going to say obligated to pay one back. You, you're obligated to pay one back, but then I hate to lie, and yeah. I don't want to just say one for the sake of it because then it sounds so just like banal, like wrong. So. Mm-hmm you're in this situation where you're like oh thank you um yeah you too and it's like it just 
balls. The, the U2, the U2 yeah. is a classic. Oh, U2. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> God, I hate, I used to, like, to be fair, I don't really like now, but I, I hate getting, like, a compliment. I just don't know how to deal with it. Well, I guess <laughs> yeah. you, mean, you, need to, you need to practice just saying thank you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, yeah. just being confident that you don't have to reciprocate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I guess an always classic is you can go for, like, an item, oh, yeah, an item of clothing or something, I don't know. Yeah. like you could, anything that like you res- respect like, blah, blah. but then what i find funny is like when you're looking for the compliment oh, to yeah. give and there's just like that like that like yeah. kind of pause Can you imagine you're like, afterwards. Uh, uh, yeah um thanks. Uh, nice uh, <laughs> nice top <laughs> yeah nice nostrils it's <laughs> yeah. like really bizarre fucking weird is compliment um yeah so that was the that was the uh what compliments mine and then the next one is contact i think this is kind of also like familiarity as well yeah um they gave like an example of uh what was it like um yeah coming into contact with something and familiarizing ourselves with it can influence our attitude towards it and our attitude matters because we attribute positive or negative attitudes towards something um and they get, did like an example i think it was where they showed like a face and they do a lot of these kind of like psychological studies uh, the mm-hmm. face one where they show it to you for like a split second so you can't consciously um take it in but your brain has seen it and so it has like an inclination towards that one when they're showing like two different faces and one of them you've already been shown before yeah and you show a liking towards the one that you have but you can't consciously remember it because you didn't consciously take it in um so yeah i think we are driven towards like familiarity absolutely yeah for um, sure that it reminds me, I think, I don't know if it was this book. I want to say it was, but it could have been an age of propaganda. Maybe they were talking about a study where they showed English people like some random looking word. It, it looked like, oh God, the butcher looked like creation or something. Some Something where yeah. the, the letters just don't go in the order that, you know, they do in English. Yeah. And I remember the, the part of the study was saying that the, the people who were showed that word before then got showed two words that were similar and they picked the one yeah. that was most like the one they saw before because of the familiarity, right? Like, yeah they felt yeah, more yeah. comfortable like they were the question was something like which one's a real word and because they'd seen it before they then was like it was that word but think yeah. about how silly that is in terms of like reasoning just because you've seen it before doesn't mean it's a real word yeah like you could be reading absolute gobbledygook the first time but and but the fact that you've seen it once means you think it's more real than the other one and yeah. that's a bizarre sort of way our minds work and it kind of it ties in with the whole like what is it the availability heuristic in a sense isn't it it's like mm-hmm. because what you're familiar with may not be right or the right thing to like choose if there's a decision that needs to be made at the end of the day and it's yeah. like you know same thing that goebbels used to say it's like if you say it enough times it, it becomes true because it's like you're so familiar with this thing that it almost overshadows it's, any other like yeah possible option unless you yeah but this is con- give conscious awareness i guess it's like the com- it is a level of like confirmation bias as well though isn't it it's yeah. like a level of like the more you see something, the more you have to believe it's true over time. Like, yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the, the bad science stuff and, you know, like I, I've seen people criticizing stuff like vitamin C, which has become commonplace for like mm. autoimmune, like common cold fighting. Yeah. Apparently yeah. scientifically, there's no proof of it, but because it's been repeated to us again and again and again, and all yeah. we see is marketed packages or pictures of vitamin C next to an orange. And all yeah. of a sudden we, we believe this thing is like healthy and, yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I don't know enough to even pass a judgment on it. But what I'm saying is that's how easy it is. That repetition and familiarity over yeah. time breeds to this point where it's now it's apparently undeniable. It's like hearsay to be like, Oh, vitamin C doesn't, 
doesn't work because we've just yeah. become so accustomed to it. I don't know if you saw the news recently. It literally was the last two days. It was a, a, uh, a literature overview and debunking of depression being a chemical imbalance of your brain. So it's basically saying there is no proof that depression is actually a chemical imbalance of neuro um, neurotransmitters. So like the no, common the common belief is that like a you know a lack of serotonin causes depression. But basically, yeah. it was like an overall lich. I didn't also once again this could equally be wrong, right? Well, but it's just so interesting that something yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's so interesting that they're like questioning the prevailing wisdom, which has been propagated so much in the world to the point where now people are taking tablets for serotonin to yeah, treat yeah. depression, etc. Yet it might be wrong because the theory that underpins it could have been wrong since the beginning. Yeah. And because we're also familiar with it, nobody's willing to like. You know, like for example, I'm sure if anybody's listening to this now who really like believes it, is probably thinking, "Fucking, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about," etc. Right? Yeah. And that's the level of it, how familiarity like breeds this like, you know, uh, I was going to say dogma, but like belief in stuff just because you've seen it so many times that you, you can't possibly believe that it might not be true. Yeah. Um, no, uh, absolutely. And think about it. Like, okay, well, what about the people who are in charge of showing it? Mm. the frequency increasing the frequency of something because then they get to dictate what you find familiar right Mm. and i think then the next point comes in and it's the idea of like association right so if i bind this with this and i create a certain association then the amount of times that you see that you're getting more familiar with that so i think it was saying even with the um with the contact principle or the contact element of um liking Mm. is the same thing goes for like positive or negative. If you're introduced yeah. to a negative association or a negative yes. thing, so like if somebody gives time, you bad news, it just gets or, worse yeah. and worse, right? Specifically and with this liking stuff, though, isn't it? It's like if somebody yeah. gives you like a bad experience or somebody gives you bad news. This is like the classic like parable of like not being the messenger when it comes to giving bad news because you then get the associated bad feelings and yeah. you're not liked because of it. Yeah, um, and who gets to create the association and then who gets yeah. to present it over time? And it's like. You know, I was watching this um, uh, documentary recently and it was about psychedelics mm-hmm. and it's based off Michael Pollan's um, The New Science of Psychedelics. The one that yep. I read like, was like a year or two ago, something like that. Um, it was really good, four-part series, just, yeah, you should watch it at some point. But they were talking about the war on drugs and just like the fucking bullshit science that went into like backing it that it was like a terrible drug and it was killing people. And, you know, they would like there was like a news program and it was like showing a brain and it, it would like holes in it. And it was like, this is what drugs do- does to like a person. And then you had like a neuropsychologist, like if there were holes in that, that person would be dead. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Just like, it's, it's like blatant bad. But the thing is, is right. You're, you're taking this drug, this psychedelic thing. That's a fucking plant. And then you're creating this negative association. Be like this. It kills you. It does this, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then it's just repeated on and on and on. Be like, drugs are bad for you. The war on drugs constantly bombarded for fucking 30 years. And then it takes someone to be like, actually, this is bullshit. Maybe like, not. And yeah, it has yeah. been bullshit for so long. I mean, another classic example would be the the classic, what was it? The balanced diet food pyramid type shit that they created ages ago, which apparently you know was repeated so much that people actually believed it. Just like breakfast is the most important meal of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the best, like the, the, the big red pill, is it red pill we see the truth? It's like when you start realizing a lot of these are marketing yeah. efforts, not scientific efforts. Yeah. Um, and that there's like, there was people who wanted specific actions who would, basically deciding these things like yeah you know the people didn't want drugs on the street so they created really negative associations with like psychedelics yeah. just because i guess they didn't want i guess loads of people just mass doing it 
because it's quite easy to yeah. access, especially if it's plant-based. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, we'll get more into this type of stuff in the next book. I don't, have you finished Age of Propaganda yet or not? Um, I'm like two-thirds through. Okay. Um, and then I'll write up my notes over the weekend. Like, yeah. I'll finish it like tomorrow. Because they have some... Um, good points on this sort of stuff as well in terms yeah. of like mass media communications and sort of repetition and uh, things yeah. like that. But yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess for the, for the con- continuity of what we were saying before in terms of like liking this, this idea of contact is obviously the more you, you know, you become familiar with somebody, the more likely you are yeah. to like them. And then in regards to the association stuff, it's more like what associations is this person giving you? Like if it's a negative association, because you know, you've, maybe you're not doing an activity that maybe something goes wrong when you're with this person, you probably would then hold, yeah some sort of negative valence towards them because of the fact that you were just in their proximity when something bad happened. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here? Absolutely. And it, it makes sense. It's like, if we want people to like us, right, we create a positive association. You know, yeah. it's like, if we want people to like our product, take Coke, for example, I mean, mm-hmm. like Coca-Cola, not Coke. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, although it probably worked for this as well. But, you know, you just have like half naked women on a beach and everyone's having a good fucking time right so then you associate yeah. good time with coca-cola oh i guess also on the right. point of the liking there that that persuasion there is they hijack the fact you like some of these models or for example if they mm. use celebrity endorsements they hijack the fact that you yeah, like yeah, the celebrity yeah. to use that association with their product so yeah. like oh i look up to this you know sporting hero therefore they're using this product i associate yeah. this product now with them and they have you know they've taken that sort of liking yeah association you have and now you want that product more yeah and it, and it makes sense it's like and you have these huge sectors of businesses that are purely just for finding like trends of what people like these days because they need to stay on top of it they need to know what's the next biggest thing that people really like because we're going to create an association to that and i think it talks about that in age of propaganda in terms of like mm-hmm. linking it with like a cultural thing at the time like what's really big culturally at the moment right and it's like if you link it to that and everyone's on board with that at the moment then it's you know it's the winning lottery ticket yeah um, yeah so yeah associations that's a big one i think for like making you know increasing liking um and influencing yeah. people to like you um what else do we have here yeah so we actually we just touched on that so it's like associating with an image so associating mm-hmm. with like a winning team um oh i thought what was interesting is that like it doesn't have to be logical either okay. the association it could be co- a fucking bullshit like realistically why would coca-cola be linked with half naked like, on the beach like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it doesn't um, make sense but you know there was one with like mcdonald's and some some sort of like sports team and you just think how do these go hand in hand together this is like fast food it's like the like the yeah. opposite of like health yeah you're yeah. associating your product with like health but I mean, even Coca-Cola actually it has like you know smiley people, sun, yeah, yeah. enjoying summer, health, you know the best life. Yet you're literally drinking. A, too bad I say that as I'm literally drinking like a zero sugar one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's literally drinking poison. Like it technically, yeah. if you like think about, does it do any good for you? Probably not. <laughs> so probably it's just, not. How does maybe it got a bit of caffeine of... in it that you need? But yeah, that's probably you know. Does this have caffeine? I assume this one does as well. Must do. Yeah, it does. But yeah, no, it is it is funny. And once again, it's like comes back, and I think this is the case with all of these kind of influential principles, is that to override it, you need to actively engage your like cognitive brain, you know, to actually okay. think around it and be like, well, actually, wait a minute, Coca-Cola doesn't equal half naked women on a beach. 
Yeah. I was going to say, but it's very hard to do that, isn't it? Because you just oh, don't it's care incredibly enough. Hard. It's, yeah, and yeah, also, yeah. you just don't care enough to just want no. to like, catch people out, do you? Just you're like, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And once again, I, I wonder if it's like once you have the association there and then you, you have it. So let's say, you know, I've never had a Coca-Cola before. And then I see that ad. So then I go and have one. And then I don't need that association anymore because I like the product. I've had the product. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I mean? So it's like the association okay. is kind of like, it maybe adds to it. But realistically, I buy a Coke because I want a Coke. I don't buy a Coke because I think I'm suddenly going to end up on a beach. No, um, but I guess, I guess what it does is it associates those like pleasurable situations with the Coke. And then you kind of like... yeah associate i guess pleasure in general with coke which i guess is, yeah. is what it does anyway because it's you know when you sip it it's obviously pleasurable because yeah and our perceptions of things are always enhanced by loads of different things Multiple yeah i was just adding in the fact that like i've always thought coke tastes really like really good when you're like in a really hot environment and it's freezing oh, cold yeah or if yeah. you're or if you're hungover i've always found coke to be you know a bit of a lifesaver yeah um so like there is context where it's even like enhanced let's just say yeah. um but yeah, what I think we're on to the last one of the liking now with cooperation. Yeah, I thought this one was this one, if I remember it correctly, was really quite interesting with the two separate camps of boys. Did you did you pick up on this one in terms of like they they had two camps of boys? If I remember this way, okay. Oh yes, if yeah, I remember no, it correctly. They had like two camps yeah. of like boys, like an American summer camp, and they. Yeah they basically made them hate each other, didn't they, originally, by doing games against each other, like weavies them, to the point where they were, like, actually attacking each other. And I remember them saying something along the lines of, like, oh, I can't believe you've done this this experiment, like, to the point where, like, they were, like, brutalising each other, being really, really mean yeah. or something like that. And they're like, I can't believe you've created yeah. these monsters. And then they managed to reconcile these two camps that were, like, sort of, you know, basically hated each other by creating a task which they both had to come to both teams or both camps had to come yeah, together to solve like a common goal. And i thought that was really fucking interesting like, yeah that is that is like if you think about it you know that's what sometimes we miss as like i guess you could say in america specifically but some countries miss they don't have like a unified common goal they're just yeah. um they're too busy fighting each other as like different camps rather than thinking maybe like you know i guess this is what people think maybe global warming might do which is like unify people together against the you know a car common enemy you can't really call it an enemy um but basically the point being like even if you hate somebody the act of working together builds liking to, to the point where i believe at the end of the experiment when the two camps left after doing the activity together they were like friends yeah like from from literally going to like hating each other fighting each other to friendship it's quite yeah. an interesting change just through having a mutual objective they had to achieve together yeah, 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 you know, but it's 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 really interesting because you know if you make each other invaluable, if if everyone's invaluable to each other, then it's in your interest to make things work, right? But then also it kind of ties in. I was just thinking now, kind of ties into that whole John Peterson idea of like playing the game, the game of life. Like mm -hmm. life is made up of multiple games, and if you just try to win, then you're not never going to be invited back, mm -hmm. and so. You want to win. An element of competition is good, but not to the point where, it, like, someone is win at all costs. Yeah, when it all yeah. costs. Yeah, and I think, right? yeah. I think they even talked about that in, in like, wasn't it like a classroom? And it was like, yes, you know, no, they were talking about like is important, but like, yeah, you should always try and you know, make everyone kind of 
on the same team to this uh, to to a degree. Yeah, that was it. So it's like because the academic competition in general is just like everybody's competing each other for the best grades, and they yeah. were saying like there's a new way of teaching where it's cooperative, cooperative teaching. I remember I, I did write a note on it, but yeah, I think it's like, a, the yeah. task then is to not eliminate academic competition, but to break its monopoly in the classroom. Oh yeah, exactly. Fine, that's it. Like give another like a way of doing schoolwork like so you have obviously your you know individual exams but also group work which takes up i mean obviously that's such interesting enough they do that uni quite a lot i don't know about your experience but mine was like i can remember it must have been even like 20 30 percent group work and only 70 percent actual individual work which i thought was quite an interesting way because obviously it brings you together to achieve a specific goal yeah Um, but i guess yeah it's it's an interesting, an interesting way of thinking about it because at school I can't remember anything that was group work orientated, which involved yeah, a, an actual an actual credential, right? So like there yeah. was never, I mean, even there was those science ones. Can you remember where it's like do an experiment? But yeah. they weren't, but they weren't group work. That was individual, no. which is also an absolute joke. But we can, <laughs> I remember that. Was, oh, no, I just remember the board. Like, walking into the room, yeah. writing the answers. Yeah, on yeah the board, I'll leave. Be like, I'll, I'm just gonna leave for ten yeah. minutes. I'll leave the answers <laughs> on the board. Like, like, Oh fucking hell! That's our education system, Jesus. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So on to um, how to say no then. So I think we've got two things here, and it was a what? Uh, let our feelings for the requester grow until we notice that they are uncalled for in this situation. So I think basically, like, you know, it if you find yourself really liking someone, almost to the point where like it's a bit abnormal. That suddenly yeah, you, especially you know, this in, especially the in the time frame you know somebody, right? Yeah, it's like, oh Point, wow, yeah. he he went to the same school as yeah. me. Like, you know, I've known him for ten it, minutes, and now he's yeah, buying exactly. a car from for thirty thousand yeah. pound. Like, <laughs> I think that's when you've got to once again engage that kind of like cognitive aspect of your mind to be like, okay, let me just ration, rationally think about this mm. um, and use that as a trigger. Um, and then what's the second part here? So use our awareness that we have undue feeling for the requester to remind us to keep separate our feelings about the requester and the request. Yeah, focus on the merits, the merits of, the of the deal. The deal. I quite like so, that, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. It's like yeah. we are, you know, it's very hard to always be in this focused, rational, like, mode. But if we can use our kind of emotions as a trigger and mm-hmm. kind of try to stay aware of that, then I think but trigger, a trigger to be aware, I guess, is the best yeah. way of putting it, isn't it? Like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, with all these like how to stop it, I've always thought they're very like kind of airy fairy, like yeah. hard to do, hard to do. They, they are usually they are usually very... it's too late. Usually you really yeah. like you've done you've done the deal or whatever you've done the, the favor. And you're like yeah. you're like oh shit, that's what's happened here. Um, yeah, but yeah. So I think that was yeah that was like that was liking. The next one is authority. So a deep-seated sense of duty to authority within us all. Yeah. Um, and like, I think we've talked a lot about this kind of thing before, um, normally when we go on rants about things, but like the the famous experiment is what, like Milgram's experiment. Yeah. So this idea that um, basically people were brought in to do this experiment and they were told that they were going to be reading out some words and that a learner had to learn the words and if they didn't get it right so if the the participant would be reading out the words and if the learner didn't get it right then they would get a little electric shock 
um, mm-hmm. out of, and I think it started at 15 volts and went up to 400, which is obviously lethal. Um, and so the participant would be in a room and the learner would be in a different room and the participant would think that the learner was hooked up to these electric modes, you know, uh, nodes. And so, yeah, and basically it, it, it showed them that they would go up to the whole 400. I probably didn't explain that very well. No, no, you didn't well. <laughs> it was more, it was more, yeah. So they were giving them increasingly, increasingly higher electric volts to the point where, you know, the person who was acting was also screaming out like, please make this stop, etc." Yeah. Uh, to the point where like, you know, it's, it's become essentially torture. Like if you were in that scenario, there's no way other than thinking this is, oh, not, you know, this is literally torture here. Yeah. And what they found is that when somebody with a lab coat was, you know, telling you to induce the voltage or induce the electric shock, uh, it was like, I think it was like 60% complied or something. I think it might be more than that. No, it was 65%, I think. No, even higher um, yeah. went above 300 volts. Yeah, which um, I, I remember I remember trying to look into this and see whether the... So for me, the caveat would have been like, it depends who is giving the volts. Like, if you're a truly ignorant person, you might realise, you might know that 300 volts doesn't... You, you just might not know that that's like lethal. So I can't remember in the experiment if they had like a picture with like, you know, sort of like saying 300 volts, you know, don't go above it. Because then, of course, it's yeah. even worse. I, I don't think they did. Um, but basically the point being is once there was somebody in a lab coat basically telling them to continue with the experiment, people complied way more than when there was nobody. Yeah. Because I guess the classic is, you know, if you're doing it and they're in pain and nobody's there, you're just going to stop because you've got, you can hold yourself yeah. to account. But when somebody's there telling you like, Oh, keep going, keep going. You might think they know something you don't know. And that is that they're yeah. okay or they're pretending yeah. or, you know, they're safe to do this. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. it, and I think they, they slightly manipulated the experiment to a degree where the person, the lab coat, it didn't even say anything. They were just present. Yes. And yeah. They almost saw the exact same, um, uh results as when they were actually like telling them yes keep going um yeah. and yeah i remember like watching it and the people just seemed so distressed doing it it was like they 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 had to do it mm-hmm. um and yet like they didn't want to do it um so i think it's very strong in us this like you know this deep like it's a deep-seated sense of deep, like you know to comply oh. Uh, yeah i think i guess if you look at it from a perspective of um the way you're brought up by parents as well is you have like an authority Mm. like your parents so therefore you've always you know grown up listening to a higher authority so to speak like your parents would be that before you obviously get to teenagehood and then i think that's when you start pushing the boundaries right that's the classic when you start rejecting your parents but at the same time you're being constrained then by the authority of your like social group and the rules and regulations that like control them um I guess I guess that there is a massive need for authority in general because otherwise there'd be anarchy. If there wasn't a few people top down yeah. who could tell you what to do in certain scenarios, you know, yeah. we'd all be a bit fucked, so to speak. Um, yeah. But I do think there is but definitely also, a like, fetishism know, towards it, right? Like, you know, yeah. listening to somebody and, just because they're authority, regardless of like checking the 
you know their authority just because they got a degree or in a, or a doctorate i was going to name names but i don't want to remember one of the old teachers you're like a doctorate in like pottery or something and it's like imagine uh, them yeah. trying to tell you like they're a doctor or something you just be like it's yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. pottery man like yeah. it's like, not like okay you can advise me about pottery you know exactly no, exactly beyond that, that but like, beyond that yeah. exactly but what i'm yeah. saying is people could be like oh, i'm doctor this and you think yeah. fuck me this guy knows everything yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um yeah no and the thing is like it's like you um alluding to it's about our upbringing we're brought up to think that the way that adults act is for a good reason that they have good reasons for their motivation to do something and so when an authority gives us um a command or tells us to do something you know we think that they're telling us to do it for a good reason that they have good intentions mm -hmm. obviously the world is not fucking perfect and far from ideal and people do take advantage of the system um and that is once again that kind of ties in with the whole jordan peterson it's like you know you follow a rule until you know when to break the rule you know it's like what what's the thing that he always says like Dumbledore loved Harry Potter because he knew when to not follow the rule. There was a higher yeah, purpose, yeah, or something. Yeah, something like that. Like that, yeah. And it is yeah. it is that to a degree. It's like you you don't know anything when you're born and when you're a kid. You have to be told where the boundaries are, and you then, like to, you yeah. said, you've got to be able to push them and find yeah. push you back. Learn, when you learn and taking the rules of the the culture and society around you to fit in, because otherwise, if you yeah. didn't, you'd be a rep reprimanded, right? Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, there are times that you have to push the boundaries and reject authority when it's not in the best interest, because authority can always sometimes end up being authority for authority's sake without yeah. the authority even knowing the effects. I guess as well, like yeah. sometimes the scientists don't even know the effects, which is like, oh, if you tell people to do this, they're going to listen to you because you're a scientist. Yeah, they don't probably fully, not all, but some probably don't even grasp the fact that people will just be subservient regardless just because the person's a scientist, let's just say, or an yeah. expert and they're filled. Um, yeah. But then this this also reminds me of the next bit, which like, I thought, I, I did think we talked about in the last podcast, but I guess we didn't, which is like authority can also be like symbols. Like it can be more abstract, mm -hmm. abstract than like an expert. So like the, I think you were talking about really interesting, like, because we definitely talked about this before because i was talking about like turning up in like a police outfit and people just like abiding by you yeah yeah, yeah. I, not, yeah. Well, I think we did talk about it last time but anyway this idea that you know authority can just be the clothes you wear and by proxy yeah. people just assume so for example if i put the associations to them yeah well. exactly if i put on a lab coat and a stethoscope and start walking around offering medical advice to people on the yeah. street people will i guarantee you people be like 10 times more likely to trust me than if i walked around with like broken t-shirt like looking like homeless essentially like do you know what i mean yeah. like which one are you more likely to believe if they came up to you and gave you random medical advice um and yeah, it's the it, point it, that it, when you can't i guess establish the credibility of the expert you rely on the abstract symbols which can be easily faked which is why there's a problem yeah no very well put yeah i completely agree and like yeah, what was he saying? There were like three types. Was it titles, clothes, yes. and trappings, like jewelries and cut uh, jewelry? Oh, trappings, yeah, like yeah. Um, but it makes so much sense, like you just said. When it, and it kind of ties back into what we were saying in the last um, uh, in the last podcast about like ambiguity and uncertainty. You know, you don't know what's going on, so you rely on like the symbols. You know, you resort to using the associations for the symbols, and it's like, oh, that's a policeman, that's a doctor, and we attribute the associations of that to other things and i was actually having a conversation the other day because i find it weird when i say to someone that i do <clears throat> psychology and neuroscience 
Now, if like I don't, I think what like people will be like, oh, that's that sounds really smart or that's really intelligent. But I just see it as literally just psychology and neuroscience. Whereas if someone came up to me and said, I do economics, I'm like, well, that sounds fucking smart, right? Because I don't know much about economics, so it's yeah. always from a relative point. Um, mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for like a doctor. It's like, yes, okay, you're very good at this, but you don't know anything about that, but you'll just apply your associations about what a doctor is, which is just intelligent and just apply it to anything else. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think, yeah, well, like well, you said, yeah. it can be taken advantage of. Of course it can be. And I, I think the title thing is really interesting. The whole like, you know, I studied here, therefore like, or I'm the MD of this, I'm the, this or that, you know, like I'm the CEO yeah. of a business because you could literally just create a business online, like a company's house for 10 quid. And then literally yeah. you're technically our CEO. You're not lying, but it's like, yeah. of what, you know, but these, these titles have so much credence without being checked. And that basically yeah. means like part of this book is it talks about obviously how people abuse these, these factors and therefore with yeah. authority, especially people make up titles or, do things which get you a title cheaply without ever sort of, you know, you digging into it. They're like the background. They, they use, you know, clothing. I mean, what you put like the trappings, that's a perfect yeah. example of like that, um, like fake guru type lifestyle where people sell you life coaching or life advice where they've basically yeah. like bought Rolexes, Lamborghinis to show off um, their authority at making money. When then the reality like rented, of it, yeah, no, exactly. No, the majority is rented, but, and they make their money from selling you the dream that yeah, yeah. you can do it too it's um it's fascinating actually oh what i found really fascinating as well when you think about the authority stuff and stuff like i remember what was that movie what was it what was that netflix documentary about the the um it was like shipping it was in the sea it was like they were killing animals to like for food it was oh, did you ever see it? it was all about it was yeah, all about so. um the trade of fish and how we're like overfishing. I can't remember the name of it. God damn it. Somebody's listening. Probably know it. Um, but if I remember it correctly, they were talking about how they're, they're now like medals or like titles set up. So like accreditation, like companies. So they go around and say like, this is dolphin free uh, food. Like you know, dolphins were killed when they fish this, um, this, this tuna, let's just say, because yeah. one of the big things that people care about is the fact that dolphins also get yeah, caught up yeah. in these fish nets. And then you look into it and you realize the company who's giving out these accreditations makes it sound all fancy and like, like they actually do the work, but they don't. They just like, they literally ask the boat, oh, hey, did you catch any dolphins today? They're like, nope. And they're like, okay, cool, sick. We'll, we'll put like, do you know what I mean? It's literally that bad. Yeah, and then nice. they, they occasionally might go on the boat, right? They occasionally yeah. might send somebody out to actually adjudicate. But everybody knows when you're being watched, you change your behavior. So all these fishing people will obviously change their behavior if somebody's on the boat, like auditing yeah. them, right? Um, yeah. but the point being like we then give this authority to this this seal of like no dolphins were hurt creating this this food yet the realities behind it are that it probably isn't that effective and that's yeah, just yeah. kind of just like it's just there for the image and yeah. i just wonder how many sort of institution authorities and in, like i remember what else was it the property ombudsman like they have all these things to like regulate the property industry and stuff like that mm -hmm. yet all this stuff still goes on and stuff gets reported to them all the time. And they didn't do yeah. from what I've seen much. They might do occasionally, I mean, on the bigger stuff, but it's, yeah. it just reminds me of, like, you know, you can have this like title and authority, but the realities behind it aren't so tight, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's interesting over. because there are, there are like two sides to the coin, aren't there? It's like, you know, we hope that everyone is 
you know, that the authority figures are acting in a just way, but also we don't like to take on responsibility. And it comes down to that whole, you know, I'll say it again, the plausible deniability. Yeah, like, yeah know, of course. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not to blame. They can all point at each other. It's like, oh, but yeah, I, yeah, the times I've ordered them, they didn't kill any dolphins. Therefore, you know, yeah. my, as far as I'm concerned, I did it correctly. I can't. Yeah. And I do get it as well, because there's a level of like, um, What's it's the classic like government dilemma, like overstretching too much control, too much like checking, too much verifying. Because yeah. if you verify too much, nothing gets done. Because you have to yeah. be like, oh, you no, sent course, this person yeah. money. Like I have to check why you sent this person money. But at the same time, when you don't check all the time, it, it's rife for fraud. It's rife for you know lies, deceit, and that is the trade off. I guess you have to yeah. you know you have to make. And then I guess also then that means the trade off as well for the government is they only tend to go after the big frauds or the people who are lying at a big scale. And yeah. that is why I guess with these like dolphin, let's just say people, they're not checking every small fish's boat. They're probably checking the bigger companies because that's where yeah. it's more likely to be rampant. Or, but um, still, it's I guess the best because way to it's just it's just messy, isn't it? It's always going to be messy. It's it's always going to be messy because there's always like a fundamental um, dilemma. Conflict you know, of interest, you could say. It's like, well, do do I trust the authority or do I not? It's like a perfect yeah. soldier is someone who doesn't speak back and just does what he's told. Of course. But then, you know, then that goes to shit when there are fucking war crimes and people are left to do, you know, it's like... Yeah, this is interesting, yeah. like, why the... um, I think Peterson talks a lot about the sort of, like, trust in institutions is waning. Mm-hmm. And the institutions you could think of as, like, the old guard of authority... Yeah. And there is like this point where I guess if you lose complete faith and trust in the authorities, then you have anarchy, uh, anarchy because there's nobody. Yeah. If you can't trust somebody else to tell you the solution or the what's gone on, then everything technically is not. Everything's a lie to a degree. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's what authorities are telling you. So and then you, you just act like, in your own in your own benefit. Because yeah, then, you then you end up with like chaos and anarchy because there yeah. is no authorities. Um, yeah, which is the slippery slope into that, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah it's it's and actually like it's the whole police thing it's like it's like a necessity people, people it's a necessity for social organization yeah. yeah it doesn't make sense it's like yes okay you will always have injustices and it's not right and it should be improved and you know things do go awry and policemen do kill people but you get rid of the whole if you uh, you know paint everyone with that brush and you get rid of the law enforcement well i can guarantee you it's going to be so much worse yeah um, no no 100 percent. people know. forget that like they just yeah. yeah they only see the once again like the classic they only see the bad rather than the good but that's yeah. uh Thomas, that's probably so we could touch on the age of propaganda again because they do talk about yeah. that where it's like what's what's heavily publicized dictates what people's reality is um yeah. so if you see more obviously errors done by police rather than you know i guess like it's the classic isn't it i think i was saying this uh the other day to, to tom um you know if if the if the police and everybody doing the job correctly you don't see anything yeah because because nothing's happened because they've yeah, done yeah, their yeah. job. But when something goes wrong, you see it. And therefore you have yeah. this massive like bias towards the police being bad because you only ever see their mistakes and not the fact that the majority yeah. of the time they work very well. And that's why you don't see much crime. Yeah. Uh, we see less crime, right? It's, 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 it's the same thing goes for like, you know, planes that crash. It's like, oh, yeah, why, exactly. where would you ever hear that? Like today, the plane landed and everyone was alive. I'll give you another controversial one. Amount of people who survived on COVID vs how many died. You oh, know, yeah, if you're yeah, counting how many people had it and survived, 
yeah how do you think like imagine reporting instead of how many deaths but how many people survived yeah it, it frames the whole conversation as well in a completely different way and i'm not saying yeah. that people weren't yeah. fucking dying from COVID. i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying if you framed it in a different way you're looking at it in a more like a, a just completely different way isn't it it's like instead of yeah. deaths you're focusing on how many people have survived and you're like okay that's billions and millions oh wow yeah Informed, mate, yeah. like, um, my uh, sister's boyfriend, he went into a hospital, was it like t- a couple of weeks ago? Because he had a cut in his foot and got sepsis. But while he was there, they did a COVID test and he had COVID. And they were like, oh my God, he's got COVID. And it was just like, it was exactly what we were hearing like during the lockdown. It's like, you know, someone gets hit by a bus, but they were like, you know, told that they had COVID five minutes before. So they died of like, you know, that was. Oh. it contributed it's like man. oh no but yeah yeah um, yeah it's it's just how it's framed and we always look at the negatives don't we that's kind of how we're programmed anyway you know we look of course well we're looking for this yeah the problem is the stuff that's out of the ordinary captures our yeah. attention yeah um exactly um cool. so Let's... how how to yeah. say no on this one yeah you go um, you go ahead mate so one protective tactic we can use against authority stages is to remove its elements of surprise. Um, this can be accomplished by posing two questions to ourselves. So the first is, is this authority truly an expert? So once again, as in like exactly what you were going and talking about, the doctor of pottery, right? <laughs> if he's saying yeah, that, you know, if, if, he, is he, if he's giving me advice on, you know, medicine, I'm probably going to be like, yes. to be honest, mate, um, yeah. I'm probably not going to not going to believe you. Here. And then um, the second no, question yeah, is, no, it's got here though, but it's, it's interesting because it's got not just the uh, not just the credentials, but the relevance. So once again, it's yeah. like, look at the credentials and then look at the relevance or think about the relevance of yeah. those credentials to the topic you're talking yeah. about. Because I, I think there is a classic heuristic people use, and that's if you're smart in one area, you're smart in all areas, and that just yeah. isn't the case. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, And then the second one is how truthful can we expect the expert to be here? Um, And that's interesting. It's like thinking about like, well, is there any incentive for this person? Exactly. Why are they saying what they're saying? It's it's, it's interesting because it's also why I have a massive, um, what's the word? Not distrust, disdain, no. I just, fine. I don't really see the anti- the, you know the alternative medicine movement i don't mm-hmm. like a lot like i do get what they're saying but at the same time when they promote their own supplements it's a bit like yeah that doesn't make any you're, sense you're, you're literally telling me that the science is wrong but you figured it out and that you yeah, yeah. Supp- like you're obviously you have to tell me this that you know this is wrong because you're literally selling me the solution to the thing that you claim yeah, yeah. is wrong and don't get me wrong they might be right but i always think when you've got like a, like a bone to pick if, if, if it's somebody who's just doing it just for the sake of it about selling a product and they're like actually just being like scientific maybe is the word but you know they're actually just doing it for the good heart of their own just trying to figure out what's true there's no incentive other than they're just trying to figure it out then i'm a bit more like okay i trust you a bit more than i figured out guys you need to have this this and this i have them them all made as a tablet for you yeah and here you go it's just a bit like oh it's an incentive like the whole thing is like you know it's it's it's, you know you create a problem where you highlight a problem and be like well we have a solution yeah. you know that's it's it, everyone does it and it's like the way that they sell well, anything i guess um, I, I i guess i'm also going to caveat by the, by the sense of like that's how you would sell something if you had found a problem and actually found a solution to so yeah. it's it's it's, hard, it's just, once again i guess the big part of it is it's just hard to know yeah what's true 
but I, there is I the issue is I think people work backwards. So instead of them actually finding a problem and then going on to find a solution, they have a product and then they want to try and either so, create oh, yeah. or just look at frame something so that it makes it look like there's a problem and then they can sell their product. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's everything's always like rebranded and it's just the same thing. It's just rebranded in a different way. Um, yeah, so I think those two questions. So, yeah, is this authority truly an expert and how truthful can we expect the expert to be? Um, and both, actually, those are pretty good questions, I think, to ask. Um, yeah, we're focusing on and I think people areas. need to. I think people really need to like embed that as like a habit, especially to do with news. Like I'm always skeptical about the fucking news. I fucking hate BBC fucking scumbags. But um, I think it's so important to just look at it and be like, well, why would they be saying this? It's like, think about something slightly bigger. And I'm pretty skeptical anyway, and probably too much sometimes, but I think it is very important because if it's dictating your behavior and the government mm-hmm. says something, you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to accept that. It's like, no, just like question it. Just think like, well, what is it in it for them? You know? Yeah. Um, it's like when fucking Bojo stopped COVID overnight. It's like, wow, did COVID really just suddenly stop? Or, you know, yeah. was his career on the line? I don't know. Think about it. Like, it's it's this shit happens all the fucking time most people are just thinking about themselves not for a whole country so it's worth you know thinking about yeah for sure like the whole just like why am i being told this information by this person what does this person stand to gain for sure i think i think interestingly on the last bit on the authority stuff is they've kind of been authority kind of been weaponized in the sense that people use it to to justify things like you know i could easily find some expert who believes what i believe or who is willing to believe what i believe for some money and then essentially what i do is get them to stand next to me and be like i don't know maybe uh, you know obviously sell custom sliders let's just say i have somebody who's a fucking slider expert right i just literally have this guy's a certified slider expert he says mine are the best you know what i'm saying is you can find people who have like authority in certain areas and obviously manage to like use them as a mercenary, so to speak, yeah. to propagate what you want people to know because yeah. of the fact that people will just believe them without doing due diligence. Yeah. And, and once again, it's like, it doesn't even have to be experts in that field. Like, I mean, you could have a fucking celebrity, like an actor standing oh, they were saying that, people yeah. like, fucking hell, those sliders, he said that they're yeah. good. So. Yeah, but not even just that. Actually, that's a good point. You just reminded me of the, the authority thing where he was talking about how somebody who was literally an actor, he was an actor as a doctor in, in, yes. a, yeah. in a movie, became like a doctor in an advert. And it's yeah. just a bit like, well, he's obviously not real, really a doctor, yeah. yet it still has an influence. It's just yeah. like, oh, my God. People have um, that association to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's they it happens so much with all this like fucking celebrity endorsement of something like they know fuck all that yeah, like, i got the, so annoyed when yeah. all the celebrities were like go and get your jab i just had my jab i'm like you're a fucking two-bit actor that's been a fuck all and mm-hmm. you're just talking about this and, like, you you know nothing about it like yeah yeah enough. um yeah yeah well they've been they've been weaponized like i said well they've been really. being paid fucking yeah paid. yeah um yeah so on to, the, on to the next one yes scarcity so, scarcity principle do you want to go ahead okay. with this one yeah so the opportunities seem more valued to us uh sorry so opportunities in general seem more valuable to us when their availability is limited so i think this 
one of the first notes you got here about this this playing on the loss aversion. So mm. humans tend to prioritize not losing something over gaining something. So therefore, if people think they're going to lose out on like an opportunity, they're more likely to be motivated. I think it's worth mentioning here. I've just realized. Remember in the last one, I was talking about how each factor of these like liking stuff plays to a different role of persuasion. And I remember scarcity mm. being specifically about motivating yes. action. Um, so yeah, this is more of a, a principle for like making somebody take the step that you want them to take rather than you know persuading them is a good idea. Right. Although I guess it could persuade them is a good idea anyway. Um, what are you here? Yeah. Oh, this is the classics. I mean, you see this stuff all the time, right? Like the scarcity stuff you see, you know, limited edition collections. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh these like the classic sales pitch like this will sell out um deadlines like the deadline for this is you know two days time if you didn't do it now you're going to lose it forever um like this is stuff which i found quite interesting we just see all the time to the point where when you read this you'd be like ah of course that's what people have been using since the dawn of time right yeah um i find it quite interesting it reminds me though because my brother just bought a new car and we still haven't decided whether this guy did it on purpose but basically he was gonna he had some time to think about buying the car, but the guy called him up and went, Hey, sorry, somebody just test drived it. Um, they're going to buy it. And you know, if you don't like lock this in when the next day it's going to go. Yeah. And he did, he, he did have a call about it. And we, I was just saying to him, like, realistically, it's, it's probably not going to go. And yeah, you yeah. probably have more than one model, but you know, if, if you're going to get the car anyway, just go for it. Cause yeah. Like, you, Cause the thing about that is that is a, that's a, what do you call it? Like it's a dilemma because if it is true, <laughs> you miss out on what you want. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but so you have to go. For and it's, it. that's it's like the a risk example. that you're willing to take, you know. Yeah, and but that's a classic example of how people use it, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you wanted this, but you know, somebody's here right now and they're about to buy it. Do you want, like, do you want it or not? Like, that's the. Yeah. That, I didn't think there's a more urgent thing than somebody literally calling you to tell you, oh, by the way, like it's gonna go. So you fucking, yeah. you know, you got to decide now. It's that's high pressure tactics, but it works because. You bought it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it does. And like, think about it from like an evolutionary perspective is less um, when there's less available and uh, you can kind of perceive it as being like more in demand. Mm-hmm. And so more in demand is like mimetic behavior. If everyone's buying one, or maybe there's a reason why everyone's buying one. Yeah. Um, and so you want to be part of that crowd because you want to be part of the group of society or anything like that and so i guess it does it does show um value to a degree because it, it's like he mentioned something to do with like imperfections and how like uh, yeah, what's normally yeah. considered like rubbish right is when it's like scarce people are like no that's valuable and we see that quite a bit it's like you know two yeah. like things from 50 years ago that people like you know they're not even that great but like people will buy it now because it's like a rare item or something like yeah that. yeah i um, i know what you're talking about the imperfections i remember I, i'm trying to think of examples like i feel like there's been like an art like a paintwork that's been replicated and then like slightly wrong and everybody's like that's the one that's slightly wrong and therefore it's like more valuable because that's like a spec um it yeah I, I love that like heuristic though isn't it it's the classic like oh because there's less of it because yeah. it's more unique it's more valuable yeah um it kind of it does make logical sense, but uh, and I wonder it's just if amazing it also, how much we believe it. I wonder if it also ties in with like if you were foraging or something like that, and there was only one thing left. What is it worth not getting it? You know, mm-hmm. in that kind of a sense, because you may not come across it again. Um, 
and if it adds value to your life or to your status or to multiple different things that would make you more likely to have a mate or some bullshit like that then yeah maybe we're more likely to go for it um and we justify it to ourselves yeah maybe i i i can't I don't remember, I remember if we talked about this in the last podcast or I just feel like we talked about this before. Maybe it was on the, might have been on Conflicted. But it was talking about like how you can make information scarce too. Can you remember yeah, when I was talking about yeah, how yeah. you're like, you can persuade people by just saying this information isn't available to everybody. Yeah. Um, and it makes you more inclined to want to act on the information because you think it's scarce and not known. Yeah. Whether or not that's you know me trying to sell you a course on you know my know-how of of doing something specific like how to I don't know set up a business I could be like only I know how to do that the way that yeah. I've done it so <clears> you <throat> then assign extra value to my knowledge because I'm the only one who knows it or the reality yeah. is everybody has their own unique knowledge so it's a bit like well you know everybody technically has that but then it was also and I can't remember if it was this book it was talking about how you can you can influence buying habits by basically saying to somebody. Like, uh, you know, I've had inside knowledge that the potatoes in the future yeah. are going to be in short supply. And therefore, people are like, fuck, everybody's going to be, everybody's going to know that soon. So I better get ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But that, and that it's interesting, really interesting because the information doesn't have to be accurate. It just has to be no, scarce. And the thing is, like, yes. Yeah. You know, think yeah. about our information or our news and everything like that. Um, and yeah, people will believe the things that are less likely to have gone around. Mm. Um, because they make it, they extrapolate that kind of rarity, that value to it. Oh, I think it was um, age of propaganda. I was going to talk about like there was a quote, something like a lie spreads twice as quick as the truth because of the fact that it's you know it can be it can be framed as like you know, like you said a scarce bit of information. Like not everybody knows this, but this yeah. is going to happen. And then once you hear it, it's like fucking hell. It's like it's like it's like a secret. Nobody else can know. Yeah. It. So then you tell everybody because it's a secret, and then everybody yeah. knows, and it's and it's just not true. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, I wonder if that's how people get their stock to go up. Yeah, no, no, for sure. No, no, 100%. Like, and they bet, bet on it first. Well, you can. It's, it's, meant like, be, it's meant to be illegal to that, by the way. That's like part well, of um, yeah. part of the name for it. But people it's like, fucking do it on Twitter all the time. Of course they do. But, like, but you, can manip- you can manipulate it quite easily. But yeah, the point yeah. is you're not meant to like... Because you're right, because you could basically go, I work for this company. You can get all your executives in the company to tell their friends of friends that, you know, they've had a really good, like, you know, a really good quarter and be yeah. like oh hey everybody like we're gonna have the best quarter ever they all their friends tell our other friends and all of a sudden everybody's like oh there's a little secret this company's gonna do unreal and yeah. all, all the while the uh company execs are just offloading their stock yeah yeah, um, yeah. No, exactly that is illegal but it's like how do you catch it but how do you especially because it? it was a friend of a friend of a friend but this is classic where people don't fucking write stuff down they'll just yeah. do it in like a pub because you haven't recorded the conversation yeah and you oh. can i'm sure it goes on like for sure yeah um, but yeah, I thought that was in. I can't remember if that was in this book though about the scarcity information. I, I want to say it might. I, be. I, I can't remember. I think it might have been conflicted actually. I think it was conflicted, um, wasn't it? it just, maybe it was a bit in both, but um, yeah. But once again, these books are all like overlapping. Like they are literally like yeah. there's so many oh, points. No, they, just, they, yeah, they the age of propaganda is going to be the same as like it's like very similar to this overlap, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just these these techniques, but to do with like the government mm. or media but also also like the mass media effects and like how perceptions changed by it and yeah this yeah. um what else do we have here then to finish off the scarcity stuff i feel like we covered most of it but um well i guess when you were talking about how this motivates behavior more than the others 
Yeah. Uh, another thing that ties in with that is like a deadline technique. Yeah. So in, rather than saying, oh, there's only five products, you know, left, really, it's like, well, you've only got an hour to get this. And it makes people have to make a decision and normally rationalize buying it in that time. Um, uh, which is kind of like what was happening with your brother, in a sense. It's like, they're probably going to come back tomorrow and buy the car. So you've got until tomorrow to, to make it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it, yeah. Like you're, you're, you're giving them a deadline, but you're kind yeah. of making it in a way that's like making it look like you haven't made the deadline as well. So you yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. they didn't resent you when in reality, you probably, yeah. just, you probably made it up like realistically, like my, my hunch is he made it up and he's a yeah. good salesperson. Like he's good at what he does, not a good person, but um, yeah. Yeah. What else do you have? Um, Competition can evoke emotions that shift our attention away from products. So like, yeah. So this idea that, you know, when it comes to resources, we're, you know, we are technically in competition. So therefore, you know, if something's in real high demand, I mean, I guess a classic example could be like the PlayStation five where nobody could get hold of one. Everybody who was like refreshing Amazon, trying to get it. Like yeah. that female competition makes people also make silly decisions. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and there were, I think, who remember, was he saying that there were two like main time, what does it say here? scarcity principle is more effective at some times than at other times and i think he was talking about when something recently becomes less available to us so um what was he talking about parents who enforce discipline inconsistently produce generally rebellious children how does that tie in with that don't know why i made that note now which one um, sorry where is it so uh things that recently become less available to us we're more likely to proceed and buy it um, oops, I'm just trying to think about that. I remember like writing it down. I just can't remember why I why I did. Um, it wasn't it wasn't that point about the children where somebody was told to to not touch a toy because he was threatened, and then the other one was told not to do it because it was immoral. I think we taught. I, I definitely think we've already spoke about this one. I think we spoke you about it in yeah, the last one. Before, I can't yeah, remember okay. this. I think it's like, it's like, let's say I was saying that there's 100 cars available, so you don't really care. And then suddenly it's like someone's bought 98 cars. There's only two available. So you're more likely to want a car than if it's just slowly, gradually, like the, the demand, okay. for, uh, yeah. the supply is slowly going down. So I think okay. one of his points was like, if it recently becomes um, less available, then we're more likely to to follow through, whereas if it's over to, over a long period of time. Um, and then I think the second one was what is it? When something becomes scarce because of high demand, it is sought after even more, which makes a lot of sense. Of course, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, once again, you're following. The especially when the by the way, especially when the demand is visible, so yeah. to speak. Like if people can see that things are flying off the shelf, right? Like yeah. I would I would argue that if you went into a supermarket and the let's just say somebody really wanted to set out of a specific product, they remove fifty percent of the stock. Yeah. And then they just say and then they put a sign saying maximum two per customer and you'd sell yeah. it out within a day, I reckon. Because everybody like, fuck me, why is everybody buying buying so many of these? I I have to get my maximum yeah. two. Um, but it, but it, no, yeah. it is, and it's interesting because I think he gave an example. He was like, there was this cookie study or something that yeah. contained two groups, um, of which one was said that uh, one were told the cookies were demanded after, 
and the other was told that there was just a lack of cookies and the people who were told that there was more of a demand were more likely to want the cookies than the ones okay. who just said that there was a lack of it's a lack of okay yeah. Um, yeah okay yeah because it's like it's like they know something that we don't right that is it's that classic, isn't it? you, you, you yeah you you like project onto others that there's like a reason for the fact they're acting yeah, yeah. in that way like yeah it was, it was quite interesting because it, i don't know if you knew but there's like a mustard shortage in the moment in the world i think well, there's definitely a mustard shortage in France because I, I know because okay. I really like mustard. Um, yeah, yeah, right. There. But it, it's funny because I went to the aisle where the mustard was, and it was just it was empty, and that's yeah. also what then made me realise there was a mustard shortage. But it's the classic, like I don't know. Then I had to like Google it and look it up. Like really the fact that something's mustard, right? <laughs> no, but yeah. But the thing is, it like I guess when you see stuff that's like in real high demand because it's not very much of it on the shelf, you then look for the reasons and you assume there must be a reason behind it, which of course yeah, the yeah. mustard there was. But it actually piqued my curiosity to the point where, like, I looked it up, and they and they also had the classic maximum two per customer as well, which I thought was also really quite, quite smart. Because you could, but like I was saying, you could just do it just to sell out, right? Like, yeah. if you had like a shop with stock that was not flying out the shelf, let's just say, you could literally have it and say like last two left, don't miss out, you know, and have it on a shelf where there used to be. It looks like there used to be like fifty of them. Yeah, I reckon they'd sell immediately because that classic. Everybody just yeah. sort of looks at it and goes, "Fuck me!" Like. God, they must be like flying out really quick. I need to get my hands yeah, on yeah, those. Yeah. So, you know. But also, think yeah. about like the toilet roll situation. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. During yeah. COVID, like yeah. I don't think. Well, there were probably some media outlets that were like, "Oh, you need to stock up," blah blah blah. But everyone was doing it, and even going into a shop, like you weirdly, I didn't, I didn't buy loads of fucking toilet roll. But I remember going in and being like should i if everyone yeah, else yeah, is yeah. buying the toilet roll right that's what's the mindset it's like you heard lemmings have you ever yeah. seen I, we used to be quite entertaining watching that like american black friday you know shopping centers yes, and like cameras yeah, outside it used to be just so funny watching them all like beat each other up trying to get into like the shop <laughs> and like just, when they're going yeah. to the cashier people are, like stealing stuff out of each other's trolleys it's just like absolute hell. chaos you, no, you see the raw you see the raw human condition when when there's no authority nobody gives a yeah. fuck and everybody's just yeah. like out for themselves it's, it's pretty yeah. horrific to be honest <laughs> oh my god yeah it's ridiculous um, on, on a random side note, I've just seen a Twitter notification on my phone. Who declares monkeypox a global health emergency as cases surge? So, oh mate, lockdown... yeah, did you see earlier on? No, I haven't seen it. What's going on? Basically, good... yeah, they said that monkeypox has now been declared. Um, monkeypox declared a global health emergency by World Health Organization following a surge in cases. So not deaths, but cases. I don't know how severe it is. I have Russell conjugation. Russell yeah. conjugation surge. Yeah. There you go. How yeah. many? How many? How many is a surge? Right. What is a it surge? Could, yeah. Exactly. This and is how bad are the cases? Classic, isn't it? This is, and where are the cases? And it's like it, it know, really frustrates or, me. The whole the word surge. The fact that you use surge makes yeah, me yeah, yeah. want to throw up in my mouth. Because it could literally have been like double the cases, right? But double yeah. from one to like. And two, what what is a health you know? emergency? as well yeah. right like what what do we consider a health emergency oh yeah fucking hell. oh yeah well anyway we're gonna have another fucking lockdown soon then jesus christ um let's let's move on we're almost finished and then i'm gonna yeah. ignore unity because i i don't really know it well enough to, well, um, talk to uh, let's let's just let's just go over what how to say no what yes so you, use yeah. the arousal of these emotions as a cue to prime us to pay attention so very similar to what we were saying with the liking yeah. um yeah, so go off your use your emotions as a trigger. Um and then 
as ourselves whether we want product for gen ask ourselves whether we want the product for a genuine reason or, or just to like just own it yeah own possess it, it. Possess it. Mm. does that make yeah. sense is that doesn't like, make sense like do i want it because others want it yeah. yeah yeah um if you don't need 12 things of toilet roll then <laughs> buy it. what happens if you just shit a lot <laughs> Well, then maybe you do, need, and then you're buying it for a legit reason, and then well, that's know. it. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, okay. well, I think that's all the six points. So I've got some mm-hmm. extra notes down here. So, like the actionable persuasion techniques that we're going to take away yeah. from the book, and then we can do the classic where we just reel off the sort of some of it. Yeah. Lovely. You know, maybe our our top point. Or yeah. I I try and always go for stuff now these days that are like just maybe something a bit newer, like rather than you know something we've already discussed before. Yeah. Um, so actionable persuasion tips. So one of the first ones was to compliment well. And I believe I wrote this down because it was talking about when you compliment somebody, trying to be authentic as possible. Um, and also then to, I think this links in with one of the S, the one below it, which is using labels to create reputations to hold up to. So compliment well and authentically, but compliment in a way that gives them a value or objective to live up to. So like, you know, I guess you could say something like, oh, I really love how open-minded you are. In that sense, yeah. you've not only just given them an authentic compliment, but you've also given them like an ideal to live up to. So therefore, in the live future, they're going to be more likely, more open-minded with you, right? And that yeah. literally leads into the next one. So like using labels to create reputations, um, reputation, sorry. So the one bit I got from the book was this like politician, wasn't it? I don't know if you're seeing it saying like, he so was the president of Egypt and was Sadat before international negotiations began. Sadat would ensure his bargaining opponents that they that they and the citizens of their country were widely known for their cooperative and fairness. So there you go. So like like he would be publicizing to his own country and also to the international news media. Yeah. Like these guys are well known for their cooperativeness and fairness. Um, so obviously it's flattery, but at the same time now these people have to act in a way that's coherent yeah, yeah. because otherwise they yeah. feel you know mischaracterized, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I found that so interesting because it's such an easy technique to do. Uh, and I think it does definitely hold some weight because I, the amount of times if you ever get complimented for something, you feel like you have to act up in a way to that regardless. And yeah. it's such a weird pull. I don't know if you've ever felt yeah. it before, but like you do feel like you have to like live up to whatever somebody calls you. And it's you such do. a weird, it's... weird experience. Like, cause you don't know whether you input that idea in your mind or not, yeah. but you just still want it's to so, like, it's, it's it can be so subtle as well like i remember literally seeing so when i was working at my pub mm-hmm. um you used to get a couple of wrongings that came around and there was this one guy on a bike that came around and people were eating outside and he was like going up to them while they were eating and be like yo you got like a you got a sig or you got a light or something and these some people said no and then he like threw his bike he was like fucking hell like you know like just started going off on one i don't know if he was like really high or something yeah but there was this like local um that came to our pub all the time he's like you know he's a silver tongue devil and basically went up to him and he was like look mate like you're better than this okay and the guy just suddenly changed and it was just amazing because like you know he could have like fucking grabbed him and like threw him off or what i like that no but i like that that's actually really by the way that's that's probably one of the best ones i've already just just thinking about that's probably because everybody like holds themselves up to a higher esteem than probably they have an mind. ideal version. Like if, if, yeah. if you're acting in a way that you know is wrong, which I assume most people would assume yeah. if they're acting that way is wrong. That is a really smart way of being like, you're better than this. Cause he's going to, yeah. you can't argue. You can be like, yeah, I am. Of course. So he's be like, yeah, I am. 
And then you like snap him out of that like trance, yeah. I guess, or the anger. That's really interesting. I like that one a lot. But what I loved is that like the guy who said it, it's not like he knows the, the reason behind when you yeah. give someone a label they live up yeah. to. It's just something that he's kind of okay, sorry. learned on the street that like works. Yeah. And he's like, you know, because did, did the guy know it, but... did he know the person or was it just somebody like I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Um so he just like he was like, oi, mate, like, look at these people. They're having their lunches. Like, you know, you're better than that. Don't, don't, you know. And the guy just, like, suddenly was like, yeah, okay, and then just went off. And it was just, it was amazing. I was just watching it from afar, and I was like, fair enough. It's funny that it's made such a, like, such a big, like, uh, impact on you that you, like, remember it all this time yeah. later, right? Like, yeah, you obviously yeah, yeah. saw something in that interaction that was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that's, you know, possible. Yeah, it was just such a, such a massive change of behavior of the guy. Um, I mean, in that case, that's yeah. probably one of the best ones. Like, as as a as a phrase to hold in your mind, to you know, if, yeah. if you want to diffuse some of that, I hope you, you're better than this. And then the next time you do that, somebody like just stabs you to death because you somebody goes up a knife, like give me, give me your like your money. It's like you're better than this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, fuck you, Tristan. Like, yeah. <laughs> probably pick it, pick it wisely when you're going to say. Yeah, it. but um, yeah, no, I can see why that would work, and that's a very like generic, but also like. Yeah, it's even better yeah. in my head than the sort of fairness and cooperative because it's like you let them do the interpret- interpretation yeah. of what better is. Exactly. Do you kind of get what I mean? Because yeah. like, so for example, if you say fair and cooperative, you kind of both have a mutually agreed like what fair and cooperative is. Whereas if you're like you're better than this, they know what is better in their head, and therefore they like yeah. it's more of their own idea in my head. Um, no, also, uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. also, and then, you can't just give a label to them and if they don't see themselves as that, then there's a discrepancy there, you know? Um, yeah, and of course, if you're a liar, right, and I've said... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, yeah. You're, you're um, a truth teller. Like, you're yeah. a real truth teller. And he's just like, no, I fucking lie all day. Every I'm day. a pathological liar. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better, yeah. Um, um, what's the next okay, one? So, we, reference uh, so, a weakness first. Once again, another. I'm pretty sure this was pretty one of the top like actionable ideas from the conflicted. So, you know, yeah. So to to gain trust, mention a weakness of yourself first because it yeah. shows that you're like honest or more honest, right? You're saying something that's against your self interest, and therefore people can see that you're more than just yourself, or like you're more than yeah. just interested in your perception, like what what you want people to perceive you as. Because if you cared yeah. too much about your image. You wouldn't be admitting to these like mistakes, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I guess that also ties me, in with um, yeah. like conceding in a way, isn't mm-hmm. it? You conceded. You've kind of put your heart on your sleeve in a sense, but it also makes it more likely that others will concede as well, especially to like an offer or something like that. If you yeah. were like, "Yes, I admit I did do this," but you know, you're you're making it seem like you're conceding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah then the other one the next one's to make information seem restricted so make information you're about to share with somebody seem scarce so i mean mm-hmm. another classic way you could get somebody to believe anything is i guess i could be like oh i was told this by so and so but it's like not many people know this you're more likely to believe it's true just because of the fact yeah. that i've said to you that it doesn't want to be shared it's a weird that is, yeah. i don't really get how it works but there is like a sort of like conundrum there where the moment you say something shouldn't be well known and only a few people know it people just then assume that it's true just yeah. because it's like a secret because yeah. they assume it's like subverting something. I don't know why, but it doesn't make sense. Doesn't it? Cause I, no, it does, I think yeah. about, if anybody presented information to me in that way, I'm just going to be more interested in the information. Yeah. It's, you know, 
I guess this is why how good salespeople always like sell you on something. They'll be like, yeah, you know, I like this is something I've never shared with people before. You know, that's like they always start it before. They do, this, yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is yeah. this is something I've never done before. Like, you know, this is information I've never shared with my customers before. But my boss has recently let me give you or let me let me give a ten percent discount to one person Absolutely, a month, and yeah. it's you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, sweet. Um, no, that's so true. It's like, oh, I don't normally do this, but yeah, I'm yeah, feeling you know nice today or something like that yeah. yeah i mean that's less to do scarce information but like what i mean is you can kind of like it's always framed in the same way which is like to to gain like garner intrigue yeah like you know i shouldn't be telling you yeah. this like i yeah. shouldn't be telling you this but i will because i like you <laughs> and it's like but like also interestingly in the whole like i shouldn't be telling you this but i will there's almost like an inherent like i like you in that because mm-hmm. you wouldn't do that to somebody you dislike and therefore by doing that you almost say like oh there's a bond between us and therefore you're going to like the person more as well because it looks like they're sharing something with you that they shouldn't be sharing and therefore they're being naughty therefore they trust you and therefore it's it's weird how it works but you can you can understand just by thinking through right that how that would work and you can also perceive it as as if they are conceding or they they have a cost in it yeah no exactly a a cost of disclosing the information right yeah Yeah. like if my boss found out i told you this i'd lose my job yeah and then it's like oh my fucking god like but I've told this to everybody, but don't tell my boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah. literally, it's, it's um, when you think about it, it's a bit crazy. Um, what do we have here? Give people the choice. Um, okay. Yeah. I remember this bit, like you are the free technique. So, so it's like you give somebody an offer and then you sort of go with the uh, fact that there was an experiment, wasn't there? This is it. And then they made a request and in one side of the experiment, it was just a request. And in the second mm-hmm. side of the experiment, it was a request with the added words of, but you are free to refuse or a similar phrase or, or something like, of course, you can do as you wish. Yeah. And apparently that significantly increased compliance to the, to the request. So basically, and it reminds me a bit of, I don't know if you remember this from ages ago, um, but the how to win friends with the saving face. It kind of reminds me of it because it's okay. like you give them you give them something to get out. Yeah. So instead of trapping them in something, being like, "Hey, you have to do this," or like, "Can you do this for me?" Like you yeah. go like, but "You don't have to," yeah. because it, then they feel like they have the choice. But they're more likely yeah. to go with what you're saying anyway because you've given them an, a way to get out. You give them a bit of slack. Yeah. So it's like you know you they, you're still telling them, guiding them, and making them want to do a certain action, but they have the illusion like they have the choice yeah i guess that's kind of it at the end of the day um because otherwise you kind of trigger that reactance theory that we were talking about whereas if you feel like a behavior the freedom to act in a certain way is being suppressed then you're going to want it more so it's like if i say oh you have to do this then you don't really want to do it right whereas if i'm like it'd be amazing if you did this but it's totally up to you if you don't want to do it but then it also Um, opens it up to like i don't know like they then think about it and i guess they can also then decide when they do the thing you're asking them to do as well they're like oh yeah you're right like i do want to help you but i can't do it today maybe i can do it tomorrow i feel like that's also what you open yourself up to when you give them the freedom of choice because then they can like think about when it would work to do the thing you're requesting like they have a thing like okay like he's given me the option to say no but maybe i can fit it in my schedule and then you start thinking yeah yeah you can do they ruminate on it a bit yeah exactly yeah yeah filter it through their life and be like yeah exactly no exactly that filter it through their life being like you know how can i possibly fit out fit in this request into like you know my weekly schedule 
That's interesting, actually. I like because I think because you yeah. make them contextualize your offer, yes, just for them rather than just seeing it as an offer, mm -hmm. right? As a, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, and then what else? We only got two more left, right? So get yeah, people yeah. to take commitments, then remind. Okay, that yeah. So that's from the commitment uh, part of uh, the principle. So. Get people to take commitments in public and then remind them of their commitments. This one's mm -hmm. definitely more manipulative with the rest in terms of like how direct this one is, but it's like, yeah. you know, getting somebody to admit in public, like, I guess, like, you know, going to the pub, being like, you know, you said that you were going to do, you this. said, yeah, you said you, you said that you were going to go teetotal, but you're drinking a bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, something like that. It's, yeah. um, pretty self-explanatory and the very last one we got here is ask people to provide advice i quite like this one then give feedback and opinion uh, uh give an opinion or feedback so yeah i took this one as quite interesting for like businesses because you know, basically when you ask somebody for feedback or their opinion it's not neutral they, yeah they they don't have a stake so basically when you ask somebody for advice they put themselves in like a cooperative mindset of yeah. like how can we make this better so they give you more advice that's like or give you feedback that's more like yeah more like advice in terms of like what you can do better and like they feel invested in the question mm -hmm. you've asked them because they provide uh, something okay, that's better yes, it rather than just saying god oh, just give me feedback yeah, um, yeah. that's just generic. there wasn't yeah there wasn't experiment to do this as well i don't know if i put that on it yeah, that does make sense because if you're a bit more specific then they can advise you on that specific okay this is it so yes providing advice puts a person in an emerging state of mind which stimulates a linking of one's own identity with another party's providing an opinion or or expectation on the other hand puts a person in an introspective state of mind which involves focusing on oneself these only slightly different forms of feedback and the different merging versus separating mindsets they can produce can have a significant impact on our consumer engagement of a brand so it's more like, yeah, when you ask for advice, they merge themselves with you and think about it from your perspective rather than, yeah. you know, their own. So like, I guess if it was a brand being like, what advice would you have for us to handle our customer service better? They would be more likely to put themselves in your shoes and think about the scenario from your perspective then. Yeah. Do you have any feedback for us? Which is like, okay, well, you treat him like shit. Whereas if you said, oh, can you give me yeah. advice? I'd be like, well, the way you spoke to me wasn't that nice, but I feel like if you came in with this tone, but what it does is it allows them, I guess, in a weird way to be like less self-orientated i think that's the point is yeah. more like they merge their own perspective with your with yours which i think is quite yeah. that's quite an interesting way of getting out well not getting out of things but like asking people for feedback instead of being like oh can you give me your opinion on this like if you were me what advice would you give me from what i've done yeah, like, you, you, you yeah. Know what i mean it, it's a different frame of mind yeah no it is it's uh, yeah i like that actually yeah it's quite that. um and that was everything I think I got from the sort of actionable stuff. I mean, there is technically more in there, such as, you know, if you're thinking about the liking stuff and similarity, just, you know, asking questions of revolving, you know, what, what do they like to do in their life? And yeah. then trying to find some similar, similar cause, I guess, with the attractiveness, plastic surgery is always an option. Um, <laughs> or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what else what else do we have here compliments i'll be touching it roughly yeah uh, condition contact you know if you really want to persuade somebody try and see them again and again and again there's plenty of like sort of stuff you can like sort of weave in to be more actionable oh absolutely but, um, i think that's that's mostly everything that i have yeah yeah so that's that's influenced the boat do you want to do you want to quickly go over it or 
Yeah, I think maybe something along the lines of, you know, some of the top takeaways, I guess. Um, let me just have a quick overview again. So I think one of the top takeaways for me was kind of that thing that I talked about where I, um, which came in the newer edition, which was the the fact that these these principles can be used mainly for like specific purposes, yeah. um, such as uh, when you're trying to cultivate a relationship, you use social. Yeah, is this a, no, sorry, use reciprocation, liking. Um, obviously, people like you more if you. Sorry, you, you cultivate a better relationship if they like you, and obviously, if you yeah. do, do them favors, they're going to like you more. Then you've got the. Um, when you need to reduce uncertainty in yourself. So like if you're trying to persuade somebody to do something and they need to trust your motive, so to speak, you, you need to use things such as social proof and authority. Um, and then obviously turning, you know, action or motivating action, you use scarcity um, and also consistency to remind people that they said something they were going to do in the past to make them act. I thought that's yeah. quite interesting in the sense that it helps you like at least ground some of these principles in, like a specific objective, like, okay, yeah. I'm new to meeting this person. So my first primary objective here is to, you know, let's get to know each other and like each other first. When I want this person to just behave in a specific way, maybe I should start using scarcity appeals slash commitment appeals. You yeah. know, this person obviously doesn't like trust me at the moment. So now I need to be thinking more about, you know, proving myself through social proof and obviously authority, so credentials, et cetera, or, yeah. you know, doing the classic where you, um, you admit a fault first so you can show that you're willing to be open-minded etc um, yeah but i quite like that sort of addition to the book because i thought yeah it does i does structure well. a bit more and that was in the the updated version yeah it's just in the intro of the updated version yeah. and I, he, stru- he structured his chapters in a different order so like i think in, uh, okay. in this one it followed the way we did it so what was it, it started reciprocity i think reciprocity yeah, sorry yeah. commitment yeah. yeah whereas i think the other one started it did start with reciprocity but it then went to liking because it did it on yeah. relationship followed by makes sense. yeah followed by proving followed by, by three kind of yes objectives because yeah, yeah, yeah. it kind of makes sense to start with uh cultivate relationship prove yourself then get them to yeah. act like it, yeah. it did kind of make sense but yeah no I, I i think that's a pretty cool point actually to take away i think like this one like we've mentioned already but the idea that we're at the mercy of most of these like you know little psychological well they're not faults just the way that we're programmed really um and it just takes conscious effort to get out of most of the time and if you can slightly you know if you use your emotions as like a trigger to make you think emotion uh to make you think like rationally about something and get out of people trying to influence you then that's probably a good technique to try and use it, it is quite difficult to get out of these, like to stop being influenced. And that's this book, you know, that's probably its weakest area when he's like, how to say no, it's like, feel it in your gut. It's like, it's, I think it's because it's difficult it's almost, to like get behind that. Cause it's, it, yeah. we've all been, it's like being in an argument and trying to tell yourself to stop being emotional, but yeah. you don't even get to the point where you can tell yourself to stop being emotional. Um, so it is difficult, but yeah, I think it is wise to just, remember that you know if you think you're in a situation where something someone could influence you it's probably better to try and switch on that rational, rational yeah brain. so um, to switch on some of this more i guess the, the some of the stuff you were saying as well the how to say no is like the question so you know mm. if somebody's trying to appeal to you for authority like questioning the authority being like you know is this person yeah. really somebody's credible or has the relevant credibilities to you know actually be informed in the issue they're like trying to persuade us on you know, um, 
am I finding myself liking this person too much or in the fact that I've met this yeah. person in, you know, the last 20 minutes and we're in a scenario where he needs to give, he needs to sell me something. So yeah. do I actually like him or is, am I liking him because of his techniques? Yeah. Um, I guess same thing with the product is like, you know, just yeah. because it's scarce, it's like, think about it. Do I just actually want the product or do I just want it because everything's high demand yeah. or there's, you know, um, and same thing with like reciprocity. It's like, should I feel obliged to reciprocate and help someone, even though, you know, they just gave me a flower. It's like, mm -hmm. I didn't ask for the fucking flower, but it's, of you course. know, I'm perceiving it as a gift. It's like, do I, I don't have to act. It's like just thinking about that, stepping back for a minute and being like, okay, is this warranted? Is this next behavior that I could do warranted? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think, you yeah. know, talking a lot about the, you know, he says like, Oh, you, notice the feeling in your stomach i guess you what you said a second ago is probably more relevant uh, relevant which is like whenever you're in a situation where somebody's going to try and persuade you of something so if you're walking into a car dealership mm -hmm. you know you're walking anywhere where the, the person in front of you has probably got some vested interest to persuade you to do a specific type of action yeah. this is when you probably need to start putting up these like guards so don't yeah. even wait for the emotions just start thinking about some of these questions yeah. um obviously like you said it's way harder to do than it is to actually like use these techniques so it's harder to of course reject them than it is to use them which is almost the part of the book which is like just trying to bring awareness to the fact that these techniques are so powerful because if you think about yeah. it there are really no solutions to these techniques because the problem with i guess with them as well is are they being used subconsciously or are they being used you know in good faith or are they being used disingenuously yeah. for you know mal uh, in bad faith to to cause harm whether yeah. it's financial harm in the sense of making you buy something you don't want or other other ways um yeah. And I, I reckon you could embed that kind of question that he said to ask for uh, under authority, just like, what do they stand to win here? Mm -hmm. Because you can take that in and you can really just apply it in any kind of situation where someone's trying to influence you. You know, it's like if you if I don't want like to say like, oh, you should always be skeptical of people because you shouldn't. No. And most people are going to be fine. They're not the sleazy salesman that's trying to take you for a ride. But um, it probably is worth just always being like, OK, like what do you stand to win here? You know, cause yeah. then that puts you in that kind of frame of mind that allows you to just be a bit not so susceptible to these influential techniques. Um, I would say, well, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's other specific things, obviously, cause a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we've covered in this has been covered before. Um, mm. I do think going back to what I was saying a minute about that sort of scarcity of information, I find that just fascinating. The whole, because yeah. because we, we, we we never have that like barrier like up in my head it's very hard to deny somebody if somebody's saying to you like oh i've heard this you know it's a secret like i'm gonna tell you it to yeah. just realize that that's probably one of the best ways if you're a liar to to disseminate yeah. bad information yeah because it just yeah so it's more like being aware that that's actually a very good technique to get people to spread untruth so to speak or to yeah. you to not even question a lie because they've they framed it in a way that's like oh, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't tell you this, or, like, I've heard down the grapevine by somebody specific, you know, and it's, it's scarce information, you shouldn't share it. And it's, it's, just... it's interesting. I wonder if it's, if I'm just thinking out loud here, whether it's relative or whether it's our threshold for what is scarce has increased because the amount of information that we're <laughs> presented to is loads. So Yeah, so maybe it's because it's like, oh, I can't believe this hasn't come out yet, so therefore I'm the first yeah, person right. to know it, therefore I'm going to get all the credibility for spreading it by being, you know, I knew this before everybody else, you know, oh, yeah. I'll tell everybody about it kind of thing, yeah, maybe. 
that actually is a very good point. I think that could be it. Possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's everything I kind of had on had on this one. Yes. I mean, I don't, that was a uh, god. That would, in one podcast that would have been a good three hour long one, I think. But Fucking we hell. got there in the well, end. Eat your heart out. Enjoy yeah. it. Let us yeah. know what you think. Um, and what are we doing next? Um, Age of propaganda. Age of propaganda. Yeah. And then we're going to move on to habits, aren't we? So that's the plan. Yes, we are. I think we might even do propaganda, but Edward Bernays, if you're keen as well, at some point, we'll yeah, just keep yeah, that in the back, that. the back burner. It's quite, it's yeah. like a hundred pages, I think. So it could be one that you read on the side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, age of propaganda next. So following on the influence techniques, then we're moving on to habits for you know cultivating a better self, something yes, a bit more rosy. Exactly. Beautiful. Perfect. That's a wrap. And that is a wrap. Well, there you have it, guys, the second part of Influence by Robert Cialdini. Now, as you can tell, there was a lot to take away from this book, hence the two-part series. So if you fancy implementing any of the actionable ideas, head on over to our website, wisewords.blog, where it shall all be waiting for you. Now, if you liked these episodes, make sure to give us a like, leave us a comment, or preferably subscribe to our channel. It really does make all the difference. Next week, we will be summarizing The Age of Propaganda by Anthony Prakanis and Elliot Aronson, which should be good as it builds on the influential principles mentioned in this book, but more so in the direction of how they are abused on an everyday basis. But until then, have a good one.